0: Our reading this morning is taken from Matthew 26, verses six to 13, Jesus anointed at Bethany. While Jesus was in Bethany in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came to him with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume, which she poured on his head as he was reclining at the table. When the disciples saw this, they were indignant. Why this waste, they asked. This perfume could have been sold at a high price and the money given to the poor. Aware of this, Jesus said to them, why are you bothering this woman? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, but you will not always have me. When she poured this perfume on my body, she did it to prepare me for burial. I tell you the truth, wherever this gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her.
1: Over the years, people have written to me about my music and my songs, and I've probably had the most messages about that song. Saying, Chris, we love this song, but we find that chorus so hard to sing. We are willing to lay down our lives. We are willing to pay the price as an offering of obedience. And yet that is what a sacrifice is. The first mention of worship, which this isn't my message, this is an introduction, but the first... Mention of worship was the offering of Isaac by Abraham. And there could be no worship without an offering. There could be no worship without a sacrifice. And yet, if we are really honest, our worship costs us nothing today. We are not hounded and attacked for gathering like this today. We're not written about in the local papers and chased out of our works and our homes because we follow Jesus in this country. But there are people around the world today still who are today offering their lives as living worship, as living sacrifices. I've had the privilege of visiting Korea a number of times, South Korea. And South Korea was established by Christians, ironically, I guess, from the north. They established the church in the south along with Welsh missionaries, which is why when you hear the Korean church sing, they sound like a Welsh congregation. The most astonishing sound, I promise you. But the missionaries from the North came from what was an atheistic culture into a new country to a place where the church became absolutely, unbelievably large. I've led worship in in Yonggi Cho's church, which was more than a million people in the congregation, not all at the same time, Um, but they had full-time workers on the car park, bringing people in and taking people out, working all day because the services were about 12 services in the day. Can you imagine? I mean, it was astonishing. But, and by the way, Yonggi Cho passed away this week. A man who had an incredible effect on my life. Because his motto was, if God says it, do it. If God says it, do it. But the church in South Korea was planted by the missionaries from the north, and North Korea today is probably still one of the most godless countries in the the earth. But did you know that the underground church in North Korea is growing at a faster rate than anywhere else in the world? Why? Because you cannot... Closed God down. You cannot lock God up. And the church of Jesus Christ will grow. But the persecution has been unbelievable. When I was in South Korea, I met pastors who had been let uh, out for the week to come into South Korea. There was a particular amnesty. And I was at a conference and these pastors came to the conference and one pastor told me personally just in a private conversation about a place in Korea not that long ago where the army moved into the village to seek out the Christians, separated the children from the moms and dads and said, if you don't deny Jesus, we're going to run our tanks over your children.
2: This is in our lifetime. I asked the silliest question.
1: I said, so what what did they do? And he looked at me. He said, sir, we don't deny Jesus, do we? He said, the parents went and knelt down in the dirt in front of their children.
2: And said, we love you. We'll see you in heaven. And the tanks came in and killed
1: the children. This is in our generation. People making the ultimate sacrifice because, just like you and me, they love Jesus.
2: And that, to me,
1: is a huge challenge. Yes, I am a worship ministry, (laughs) but my worship ministry Initiates my mission vision. Mission and worship are. They go together. You cannot go to the world until you've first gone to the throne. And until you have fallen in love with Jesus and fallen at his feet. You
2: can't go to the nations. So mission to me and worship. Go together.
1: Psalm 27 verse 4 says, I have desired of the Lord one thing. I love David because sometimes when he says one thing, he doesn't actually mean it. (laughs) He says, there's one thing I've desired, and then he tells you three or four things that he desires. But that's okay. One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after That I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, one, to behold the beauty of the Lord, two, and to inquire in his temple, three, that's the one thing he desires. He has a passion to seek after the Lord. And if I have a vision on my life in these days, in whatever context I find myself in, is to encourage people not to abandon that place Of seeking after the Lord.
2: I'm an evangelical through and through. But the problem with evangelicals is we think we found it.
1: We sing, I found Jesus. The the issue is actually, and in the Song of Solomon, you've got a beautiful picture of the Lord playing hide and seek. Have you ever played hide and seek with your grandchildren? And do you know what? My grandchildren love it when Granddad plays hide-and-seek, but they don't like it when we don't find them. They want me to find them. And so if I'm playing games with them and pretending I don't know where they are, they give me little clues of where they are. You know, there's a hand that comes up behind the sofa, or they make a noise, like, Grandad, for goodness sake, I'm over here, please find me. And the Lord is like that with me. He wants us to seek him with all of our hearts. And then when we find him to seek him again, because that's what the grandchildren say. Let's do it again, granddad. Let's do it again. Because I have this great belief that even when we get to heaven we are still going to be discovering things about God that we never knew possible because heaven will be eternal revelation of who God is. Isn't that amazing? I mean, people say, oh, I'm going to know it all as soon as I get to heaven. Well, what are you going to do on day two? (laughs) The truth is, heaven is going to be never-ending revelation. And that is why, brothers and sisters, worship never ceases. Because worship is rooted in revelation. So I have a question. When was the last time you saw something for the first time about God? That caused something in our hearts to rise and
2: to be stirred and say, God, I didn't realize that before. And one desires to seek after the
1: Lord, to seek his presence. Somebody wrote about me once, Chris Boater is addicted to the presence of God. I can live with that. I can live with that. I wouldn't mind that being put on my gravestone, along with I told you I was ill. But to seek the Lord's presence, to look at his beauty, to find in him just how lovely the Lord is, and to search his ways. Because this is the paradox his ways are past finding out, yet he wants us to find them. (laughs) To seek the Lord my one desire. C.S. Lewis says, I find myself a desire, if I find myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Have you ever felt that you don't belong here? I must say the older I get, the more I think I don't belong. The culture, the values is not what is going on inside of me. I belong to another world. And the Negro spiritual used to sing, this world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. (laughs) But in that time of being here, our one desire, as we've sung,
2: is to honour Jesus. And so we've had read to us the scripture of the lady at
1: Bethany, the home of Simon the leper. And you remember in this story how a woman gatecrashed crashed a party, basically. She wasn't on the invitation list. You see, other people had come to see Jesus, but she had come to worship Jesus. I'm finding this to be a picture so much of the church today because I think there's a lot of people that gather around Jesus, but not everybody comes to worship him. That's not a criticism, it's not a judgment, it's an observation. We used to sing back in the day, we are gathering together unto him, unto him shall the gathering of the people be. And this morning, this is why we're here.
2: It's for him. But I love this story and I've called my message Unforgettable Worship.
1: I was going to sing the song Unforgettable.
2: (laughs) But I couldn't couldn't
1: remember the words. Um, (laughs) Unforgettable Worship. I don't know whether you've been in some astonishing worship times that we call sung worship times because you'll see that worship is more than music but can you remember a time you you were in that atmosphere and that environment when the the singing the praise the worship was taking place you think ah
2: i'll never forget this have you had moments like that i have going back
1: to career again i was leading worship with, with 100,000 people in the Olympic stadium. And that was a nice little congregation. And uh, I had a band to die for, I won't go through all the names because um, some of them won't be relevant to you unless you're a bass player. So Abraham Laboreal was one of the bass players. And Chester Thompson was the drummer who used to play for Genesis. So it was quite a band, I promise you. Uh, And me, and I actually, and this happens to me all the time, I was standing at the side, waiting to come onto this platform, 100,000 people, 3,000 people in the choir, 300 dancers. And I mean, Korean dancers, with flags that are as big as, you know, England. (laughs) And I stand on the side saying, I'll give them 10 seconds before they realize they invited the
2: wrong person. But I go on and I start singing, Jesus will take the highest honor. Jesus will take the highest place. And the line was talks about bowing. And suddenly I realized 100,000 people had fallen to their knees. Now that was a culture shock. Because in our culture we negotiate, we come in issues.
1: Lift your hands if you feel like it's comfortable to do so, and you know, if you've asked your mother's permission and all those kind of things, we
2: negotiate. But I turned to my translator, I said, what's just happened? He said, sir, in this country, if we send it, we do it. That's different. A hundred thousand people sang. About bowing the knee, and they all fell to their knees. And all I can say it was like a holy moment. Because how many of you know in heaven there's a lot of bowing going on? Every time the elders looked at the throne, they fell on their faces. Heaven is full of bowing and kneeling and disbudden. Even the elders looked at the crown and threatened the face. <clears throat> but this is unforgettable worship, ladies and gentlemen, this morning, and not a note was sung. The writer says that this woman will be remembered forever. What she did would never be forgotten but not a note was sung. And so often we think that worship is just
1: our singing. Worship is our whole life. Worship is the overflow of who I am with God. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday,
2: and Saturday, not just Sunday. It's a lifestyle. Not a note was sung, not an instrument was played. There were no special effects. It wasn't a smoke machine in sight. No microphones, no platforms. And in this group of people, some watched. Does this describe
1: any church that you've ever known? Church full of watchers. Just watching.
2: Not negative necessarily,
1: but just watching. Bystanders. Some waited.
2: To see, I wonder what's going to happen. I'll sit on the fence for a while. And so wondered, <clears throat> I prefer the wonderers. because when our worship is absence of wonder,
1: I'm not sure it's really worship. You know, it's possible to sing wonderful songs, but not have a sense of wonder. But one lady brought unforgettable worship. The heart of worship is not music and song, but heads and hearts in joy for all of the real Jesus. And what's essential for worship today is not music, microphones, musicianship, but the truth about Jesus and the help of the Holy Spirit. Because those who worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. And so I'm grateful today that the Holy Spirit has graced himself amongst us to help us to honour Jesus.
2: For this lady, her purpose was clear. She was there for Jesus. Jesus. She was just there
1: for Jesus. What a way to go to church, eh?
2: to be there for Jesus. To have eyes only for him and hearts open to him. It's been recorded
1: that Jesus used to love going to Bethany the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, of course, who was raised from the dead. And you know the story of Mary and Martha well, whilst uh, Martha busied herself with activity and was, I'm sure, in a good heart what she was doing. Mary was so preoccupied with the fact that Jesus was in her house. She positioned herself always at his feet. And so not only was her purpose clear, but her posture was clear. And the sitting at the feet in, in a biblical context was, was a classical posture as someone says, I'm a disciple. I'm a follower. I have come to listen to you. I've come to receive from you. You are my master, I am the one who's learning. I am the one
2: who's seeking. And she sat at his feet. I understand
1: the cultural challenges that we have so often, but I believe there's a posture of the heart. I mean, some of us wouldn't be able to sit down and get up again inside a week. Um, when I do my shoelaces up, I think, what else can I do while I'm down there? But, uh, <laughs> um, but her posture was one of, I'm a follower of Jesus. Wow, what a lovely place for her heart and her body to be. In. And her posture, this unnamed lady with worship that would never be forgotten. Her posture reflected the posture of her heart. And at the end, we're going to sing a song which kind of sums us up to be in your presence, to sit at your feet, where your love surrounds me and makes me complete. This is my is that word again? This is
2: my desire. For this lady the worship was sacrificial. It was costly.
1: It was not only costly in terms of the value of the perfume, it was costly in the sense of her reputation was at stake. In that culture for a woman to be sitting at the feet of, of a man like that, and especially letting her hair down in the way that she did, would suggest that she was probably a woman of the streets, but she decided that she would rather worship
2: Jesus than listen to the condemnation of people. It was sacrificial. It was costly.
1: And, of course, she heard the voices. She heard the things that they were saying about
2: her. Even the disciples who should have known better. Talking about the waste. I want to say there is never waste in worship
1: when we bring it to Jesus. It was not only sacrificial, it was significant. You see, it was significant because her worship came out of a revelation of who Jesus was. Everyone else was in the room looking for something else from Jesus. They were watching and waiting and wondering, but she
2: had seen Jesus as who he really is. No one else in the room had seen him. They were waiting for the miraculous to take place.
1: They were waiting for this word of wisdom to come from Jesus. They were waiting for the teacher.
2: She wanted him. She wanted to worship him alone.
1: Worship is rooted in revelation. So I asked the question again, when was the last time you and I saw something for the first time that caused us to worship it was a sustaining worship. I love this thought. The fragrance that was released through her brokenness and through the broken alabaster box of ointment lingered and filled the room and remained on her as she left to get on with her life. Having been with Jesus, impacted everything else in her life. Is that worth just thinking about? It could be that this morning, this brief time together, is going to impact on the rest of our lives. And there's going to be a fragrance, not only in in the room, as it were, let your glory fill this temple, but let your glory fill this temple. Let the fragrance of your presence and of your life and of your love and your beauty fill this
2: heart and fill this life so that wherever I go, I carry the fragrance. Every time I see Janice and she, she, she doesn't realize that she does it, but every
1: time she, she sees me and we greet each other, she says, Oh, you, you smell nice. That's nice. Now, now my wife doesn't do that because she's lost her sense of smell. Okay. Now, that's a real shame for Leslie, but the truth is this.
2: I wear nice fragrance for her, even though she can't smell it. And brothers and sisters, our worship is not for us.
1: Our worship isn't to make us feel good. Our worship is a fragrant offering to be given for the Lord. And it's a fragrance that will linger in the room, it will linger on the person, and you will walk into the highways and the byways, into the shops, in the streets, into the homes, and we
2: will carry... The fragrance of Christ. There's a certain fragrance. The fragrance of Jesus that can only come through brokenness. Do
1: you know what we, we, we we're always trying to make it look like we've got it all together? You know, with that kind of people, you know, we, we cope. We're doing well. Somebody once said, don't ask certain people how they are because you won't have enough time to listen. <laughs> but you know what? There's something about brokenness. And I don't know whether you've ever seen this, but there's a, there's a Korean pottery culture called Kinsugi. And kintsugi is about something that's been made by a master potter, but it gets smashed. It gets broken, and it gets broken into pieces. And do they just throw away these beautifully made pieces? No. They then get gold, and they join it up, and you then get a new vessel, which is the original, plus all the gold that's been put in to make it whole again. Oh my goodness, that is such a wonderful picture of what Jesus does for our lives, a broken and a contrite heart God will not despise. And it's in our brokenness, it's in our challenges where we find that, you know what, I can't cope if it wasn't for Jesus. I was listening yesterday to a song that's been just released again, but it's an old song because He lives. I can face tomorrow. Isn't that the truth? Because sometimes we face things in life that are just so hard. One of our daughters is going through a divorce with adopted children. It is so hard. But she's holding on to Jesus. And the more she holds on to Jesus, more
2: the gold is coming out in her life. And you and I too with
1: the challenges that are going on around us and in us, the fighting's without and the fear's within, and sometimes the fear's without and the fighting's within. But it's in our brokenness that we come to the one who can make us completely whole. And that was why this lady came. She was a broken lady, but she brought fragrance to the feet of Jesus. And that fragrance linger on her body
2: and on her life.
1: But more than that, the worshiping of Jesus never went away and it was unforgettable. Watch what happens as you and I allow the fragrance of Jesus to fill the house, the workplace, your heart and your mind. And that's my prayer for each one of us today. May the fragrance
2: of Jesus, great and kindred word fill this place. And so I close. Thank you for allowing me to pour my heart out. I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching to me, because I want to finish well. Do you know what I mean? I read of so many
1: people who have been in service, who have fallen away, who have given up, where the going got so hard, so difficult, Well, they couldn't cope with the pressure, they couldn't cope with the success of them, and they couldn't cope with the disappointments in themselves. But I encourage you to finish well, to press on, to seek after
2: the Lord with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind, with all of your strength. And bring your brokenness.
1: Bring the what could have been, what should have been, what ought to have been. Because, hey, we've all got them. But we bring them
2: to the feet of Jesus. And we pour it out as a love offering. And we receive his wholeness.
1: Receive his grace. Do you know what? He doesn't judge us or condemn us.
2: He heals the brokenhearted. He sets the prisoner free. Today, we come with love to you, unforgettable worship. And I got a feeling the people went
1: away from that place and they would never be the same again
2: because they saw something that was so beautiful. Beautiful. Leslie and I just acknowledge our love for you today. We pray blessing on this church. I don't know what five heads means. It's not a name I've ever come across at all before.
1: But I started life in a Baptist Sunday school, so I feel really honoured to be here today and to be part of what God is not only doing here and what God has done here, but what God wants
2: to do here. I believe you are here for purpose. You're here for purpose
1: and there's no better thing than discovering your purpose. And that I bless you as you and the team around you lead the church. And I say to you what Yungi Cho would say, whatever he says to you,
2: do it. Be led by the Holy One. And God love you and your family
1: and all those challenges that even that will bring. But we do understand, that promise you. And each one of you, it's been so great to see you. It's been lovely to meet Adrian because Adrian is the cousin of the guy we're going to visit in Cornwall. So we've kind of had a kind of stepping stone back into the Elliot family, (laughs) but it's really lovely. Um, But I said to him yesterday, there was something about his mannerisms that reminded him of the granddad, the the great uncle, Uncle John, who I knew when I was younger. And the mannerism has gone through the family.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But may the beauty and the fragrance of Jesus run through the family. May it rest on each one of you. May it bless your marriages. Learn how to fall in love with you and again and again and again. Learn how to honour each other in your marriage. Bless you in your parenting and your grandparenting. As you and I pray over the next generations
1: that we cover them. This is our prayer every day. Father, we cover our grandchildren. Their prayers. What a privilege.
2: What a privilege to receive them when they come and to give them back as well. (laughs)